ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, episode 15 of the No Chains Attached podcast. This is a little little test run to see if we can still know how to do this. It's been about um, it's been about well, I guess I'll backtrack. Rate and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud if you still follow us. Um, follow us on Twitter at No Chains Pod. Um, it's been almost two years. What uh, what the heck happened? Um, well, our one uh, our one co-host Zach Dow moved to Switzerland. Um, Colin, our Ohio State aficionado. Um, I guess became too busy to pod, and our our main antagonist, uh, DJ PJ, moved to Rutgers. So that about that about sums it up. Uh, a lot has happened between the last the last time we all we all were together. Um, we had a, we've have a, had a global pandemic, and we're still in a global pandemic. Um, uh, hopefully, at the end of it, uh, some people are trying to keep it keep it going a little longer than uh, than it probably should, and. Um, and yeah, a lot of wild stuff has happened. You know, the last time we we met, it was uh, you know championship week or leading into the playoff in 2019. LSU won the national championship that year. Then we had a, a weird year and a half of of uh, of just sports being on, sports being off. Um, we picked a bad time to stop potting. Honestly, um, there was a lot of a lot of good content that could have been covered during the time, um, and I think we would have been able to properly socially distance six feet while doing the pod although it's not like we ever really at least in this household um observe observe too many um you know pandemic uh i guess precautions if you will but you know we're gonna we're gonna see if this uh if we can get this back rolling this is a little bit of a recruiting pitch for colin maybe we can get my co-host back and um got a couple other other people on the on the docket that might be that might be interested in in joining i here's what happened here's what happened this past weekend, um, I was on a friend's a buddy's podcast covering Penn State football, and um, and I had been itching to kind of get the podcast back rolling again. And um, and you know that that doing that pod kind of pushed me over the edge. So um, I would prefer to do this with with a couple co-hosts. That's when it was most fun. That's when we had you know probably the most response. Um, being able to you know talk back and forth and just talk sports and talk different things going on in the world um but you know for the time being you know there's uh, it's college football season and you know I, I gotta tell talk to somebody about college football so I might as well just talk into this microphone and maybe a couple people here and there will will listen and, and have some feedback um you know there I know there are going to be some people when this is tweeted out that are going to be pretty pumped to this back our loyal fan base about eight or nine people um but you know I, I just wanted just wanted to get back into uh in back back into talking sports and, and being able to to be able to share share some of you know ideas I have or, or thoughts I have on the season and thoughts I have on week one and thoughts I have on you know some gambling picks 13 and five so far this year so it's been a good start um, a little better than a couple years ago way better than last year last year was a disaster when it came to to gambling um, you know but the uh, the strategy of picking home favorites did not work when there is no fans in the stadium. Um, and so, but 
you know, stayed committed to the uh, to the process, and you know, took our took our lumps last year, and so far this year with with fans being back, home favorites are doing pretty well. So, um, but let's get let's get right into it. Uh, week one was, you know, one of the better week ones of college football that that we've seen when it comes when it comes to a you know matchup standpoint, a top five matchup, several top twenty five matchups. Um, you know, we we started week zero, I guess, with. Uh, with Illinois and Nebraska and the, and the Scott Frost train up in Nebraska still continues to be just a, you know, a raging, um, surprisingly a raging tire fire. And, um, you know, my, my thing the last few weeks is, you know, every week, you know, we're watching a game and seeing a good offensive coordinator and trying to see, you know, maybe that person's going to be the next head coach at, at Nebraska. Cause I don't see Scott Frost surviving, um, this season up there. Um, and then Illinois goes up uh, week one and then loses to, to UTSA. So clearly it wasn't like Illinois was this new um, power in the Big Ten West. You know, it's just Nebraska really seems to be that bad. Um, you know, UCLA had a good win against Hawaii week zero and obviously took that into into week two um, or week one, if you will, and uh, and just absolutely dom- dominated the, the line of scrimmage and the game from start to finish against LSU. Uh, that's another head coach right there who's in some trouble at Orgeron. So, um, but when we get into Week One, you know Thursday, um, the Buckeyes of Ohio State went to uh, Minnesota, and you know the more and more I think about that game, um, and I watched that game with former co-host and hopefully future co-host Colin Spencer, um, who is a family is a diehard Ohio State fan. I watched that game with them and uh, his family, and you know the more I think about it. Um, you know, clearly, uh, it, it took a little bit to get their sea legs underneath them. You know, and a whole a whole new sis, a whole new offensive, you know, mindset with a new quarterback. Um, you know, with C.J. Stroud. And the more I think about it, um, I'm, I'm actually a little more impressed with the win. And you know, after watching all of Week One, um, Ohio State clearly seems like one of the two best teams to me. Um, I think Alabama is is probably you know ahead above above Ohio State. Uh, they don't look like they've taken a, a step off from from the season before. But, you know, Ohio State was able to move the ball. Teams are going to have to be able to score against them. No one's going to shut them down. And they looked rather pedestrian. They still, still scored 45 points. And if we look at the box score, um, you know, people were giving C.J. Stout some crap. I was giving C.J. Stout some crap. 13 for 22 for almost 300 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick is pretty good. Uh, that, that's that's pretty good overall. Um, you know they ran it for 200 yards, so they they had nearly 500 yards of total offense in a game that they looked pedestrian on the road, hostile environment. Everybody was hyped up. Um, they they looked good. They looked good. Um, you know the the next night we had Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Um, as Mac Brown said, the shine is off North Carolina. Um, you know it, it clearly it is difficult to replace your top running backs and your top wide receivers. And even though you bring back your, your, you know, your allegedly Heisman contending quarterback, you know, you still need weapons around him. And so, um, nobody lost, uh, as much money. We could no better lost as much money as Sam Howell lost on Friday night. Um, he's going to have to do a lot of work the rest of the season to improve his draft stock going into next year. Um, and, you know, Virginia Tech sort of started the theme of what we saw this weekend. Great, suffocating defense. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, the offense has just played poorly. Um, but Virginia Tech looked like they had athletes on, this, on, on the defensive side of the ball. And they were, they were flying around out there um, and, and, you know, were really able to stifle North Carolina, who 
in years past had a very you know high flying offense. We go into Saturday, um, you know the first game of the day, the first big game of the day at noon was um, you know my Penn State Nittany Lions uh, going on the road at Wisconsin and winning a game that was um, you know you know felt like they should win by ten. It felt like they should lose by ten, um, and it really was a toss up in the end. Um, and they were able to, to come out on top in, in, a, in a game that, you know, I said on another pod, pod uh, this past weekend, you know, it maybe it was unfair to say that Penn State had to go and reprove themselves after an 0-5 start last year. Remember, prior to that, they had three 11-win seasons in four years, one of the best records in the country over that time span. Um, maybe it was unfair to say they had to reprove themselves, but, you know, they did, and they did just that. You know, they are back to being... You know, Ohio State's one in the conference. Penn State is two. That that is how the pecking order has worked. It's it's back to that. Um, you know, people trying to say that you know Indiana might be the second best team in the Big Ten East. Clearly, after the the drubbing they took at Iowa, um, you know, last year was a Cinderella season in a very odd year, and it was very odd to see Indiana with eight and two or eight and three or whatever they were in the regular season. Um, and so that's just that's all that was was just a a odd circumstance that you know Indiana probably should not have won the game against Penn State and um, week one but that was able to get them going and um, you know they rode that and you know clearly it didn't carry over to, to this season so you know the pecking order in, in the Big Ten to me right now looks like Ohio State one we'll start in the Big Ten East Ohio State one Penn State two and then probably Michigan three um, and then after that, it's it's kind of it's kind of a, a cluster. I think Michigan State might be right in that, you know, four range, followed by Rutgers, Maryland, all those guys. Um, you go to the Big Ten West. I, I think it, it looks like it looks like it's Indiana and, and Wisconsin. Um, I'm sorry, Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, you know, and then everybody else. Northwestern. You know, they they have a history of starting off slow. They got pounded by Michigan State. We'll see if they can. Um, you know, do their one and three start, and then go win the first four games in the Big Ten Conference. Um, you know, we'll we'll see about that. But you know, to me, it looks like the contenders in the East are probably Penn State and Ohio State, um, and in the West, it's Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, and so, you know, moving on to the SEC. Um, excuse me. You know, Alabama, like I said earlier, just has not missed a beat. Um, they are head and shoulders better than everybody else. Their defense is fantastic. Their offense is fantastic. Um, it's going to it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously we have a season to play, but it's going to be tough for anybody to 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 take them on and and beat them. Um, and especially, you know, it seems like their biggest threat um, out of the East would be Georgia. And you know, Georgia had a great win against against Clemson. Obviously, um, didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. And the biggest thing I was looking for out of Georgia was you know. A lot of people were talking about JT Daniels. Was Kirby, is Kirby Smart with him able to kind of revolutionize this offense? And I didn't see anything glaring that said, you know, this offense is going to be different. It's going to make the, the jumps that to an Ohio State, Alabama, LSU of 2019 level. Um, I didn't see any of that. And so, yes, great win against Clemson. Um, you know, their fans should be very happy about that. I know some of their fans are um, just over the moon about something like that, uh, a big win like that. Um, I think there is long-term still cause for concern as to whether um, they're going to be able to compete against Alabama because that's what this is down to for Georgia. Um, they've been to the national championship game, leading the national championship game in the, se- in the second overtime at with second and 26. Um, 
you know, with Alabama in second and 26 um, and lost. They led by two touchdowns in the SEC championship game against Alabama in Atlanta and lost. They get to the party. They get to the big dance. The thing is, do they have the weapons? Do they have what the, what it takes to um, to be able to, to win those games? And, um, well, that remains to be seen. It's early. Uh, they got UAB this up. Um, and so moving on to Oklahoma, um, you know, same, same deal with them except on the defensive side of the ball. Will Oklahoma do anything to prove to us that things have changed? Um, you know, it's so we won't be fooled again. Um, they gave up 35 points against Tulane. There's no question Oklahoma and Georgia are great football teams. The question is, are they good enough to compete with Ohio State and, and Alabama? And while Georgia had, a, again, a great win against a team that has been good over the past several years, I didn't see anything out of that game that said, okay, their offense is going to be able to score possession with possession, possession for possession against Alabama and Ohio State. I didn't see it. Um, Oklahoma, clearly their offense can score, but we've seen them go to these go to the playoff and just give up, gave up fifty four points against Georgia in the Rose Bowl, gave up sixty something points against LSU in the semifinal game a couple years ago. I, I haven't seen any. I mean, they were down twenty-four nothing with Kyler Murray to Alabama right off the bat and lost in a game that was over after the end of the first quarter. I haven't seen anything that's changed, um, and so that, that's that's uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see. It's early. These are the initial reactions. Week one. You know, we have a season to play out. I can be wrong. Um, you know, A and M going down the list. A and M looked. Um, you know how they do early in the season against these teams that they overmatch. Um, you know, slow to start, pull away in the end. They have an elite defense. Their offense is like a, if you will. You know, they the, you know, they start slow. They establish the run game. They try to establish Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher tries to establish sort of the the game plan, um, and you, it's cool. You can kind of watch it in real time, and you see them break the opponents down as the game goes on. Um, they do it with actually some old style Smash Mouth football. Um, you know, which is, is it's, it's pretty fun to watch. Um, it, it's different. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't run the ball fantastically against Kent State. Um, but, but with that said, they, they really, in the, at least in the first half, but they really started to establish it in the second half, establish the run game. Um, you know, this game ends up being 41-10. It's probably 48-7, 52-10 um, if Haynes King doesn't throw two. Just sort of, you know, first game forced interceptions. Um, I don't think there were... They were, um, you know, picks that, you know, were from a quarterback that was lacking confidence and made bad throws. It was someone that was um, overconfident, trying to squeeze a ball into a couple areas in the red zone that he couldn't do it. And, um, you know, that's, those are things that I think will be cleaned up. So I, I do think that, you know, A&M will compete in the SEC West this year. They look like a 10-2 and two team to me. Um, Alabama obviously seems like they're on a different level. Um you know, but I'm interested to see, you know, this is one of those years that, you know, Auburn's kind of due for a weird, you know, one of the weird Auburn years like we saw in 2013, 2010, where they just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, we'll see. They, they did look good against Akron. Akron's also won one game in, in two years. Um, you know, they go up and play Penn State in a couple weeks. That's that's when we'll, we'll know a little bit more about Auburn. Uh, the team that as an as an A and M fan, um, if you guys remember, a big A and M fan as much as I am a, a Penn State fan, um, 
the team that absolutely terrifies me is Ole Miss. Ole Miss is is good. They're good. Um, they can play some semblance of defense now. They have a great transfer, Campbell from um, from Maryland. Um, father was a Penn Stater. Uh, just a just a, a defense. I wouldn't say it's the Land Shark defense. I wouldn't say that's back, but they they looked good enough against Louisville to say okay, they can make a few stops against Alabama. Um, and we know that their offense can run stride for stride with Alabama. So uh, that's a team that is going to be very difficult to to stop, and they go as far as Matt Corral goes. Um, and so that, that's kind of what the SEC West looks like. The SEC East, um, it, it looks to me like it's Georgia and Florida, and, and Georgia has the leg up. Um, the SEC East continually it continues to be the little brother to the SEC West. Um, that's just how it is, you know. Georgia's the class, Alabama's the class, but of the West, Alabama's is ahead of Georgia, and it just kind of works that way. A&M is better than Florida. The second, the third place team in the SEC West is better than the SEC East, so on and so forth. That's kind of been the theme the last several years. Um, and we'll touch on a couple things, a couple more things from Week One. Um, you know, LSU's in trouble. They're in trouble. Um, you know they. You can't go out to, to UCLA, albeit a much more improved visor-wearing Chip Kelly-led UCLA team. Um, the visor is very important as someone who is now a visor convert um, and wears visors when he golfs. Um, I respect the visor move from Chip Kelly. They were very good at Oregon with the visor. He didn't wear it the last couple of years. He's back with it. I think that's an important thing that people need to pay attention to. Um, and it's very much the reason why UCLA won that game. Um, I'm kidding. Obviously, they won that game because they controlled the line of scrimmage against an SEC West team. And I just got finished talking about how good the SEC West is top to bottom. This LSU team's in trouble. Um, you know, they, they go 7-5. and five. You know, I saw a funny tweet. Um, they go 7-5. and five. Edward, All Edwards run is as a Cajun-flavored Gene Chizik. Um, and I love Coach O, but um, they're, they're going to have to make some changes here. Um, and I don't know what those changes are. I, I don't. So, um, and again, love Coach O, um, but you know, the, he's his job looks to be in trouble to me. Um, <clears throat> let's. Uh, so that that's all I got from Week One. You know, Oregon, Cincinnati, Iowa State. Those were all teams that you know kind of you know flew a little under the radar. Iowa State and Oregon had some closer games. Um, you know, Cincinnati. You know, was my lock of the week last week minus twenty two and a half, and they won by forty something points. They looked really good. Um, so moving on to week two, uh, the Friday night game is Kansas and Coastal Carolina. Um, Coastal Carolina is a twenty nine point favorite. The last time I checked the line, it's now down to twenty seven. Um, and actually, BetMGM has it at twenty five and a half. Um, so it opened at 27. It's moving down. Um, that is a pretty remarkable line right there. That Coastal Carolina is a 27-point favorite against a against a Power Five team. Um, you don't see that very often, but Kansas is bad, very bad. Um, you go to uh, let's go to Saturday. The first big game um, is a big noon kickoff game on Fox. Um, I I can't express enough how much I hate. Big noon Saturday. I think it's the stupidest concept ever. Uh, this is a game Oregon and at Ohio State should be played at night in prime time, and it's not for God knows what reason. For some marketing reason from a network that doesn't really know how to color, cover college football, um, and uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that it's in the Big Ten. Penn State had to play 11 a.m. against Wisconsin, one of the bigger games of the year that Wisconsin will have at home. Um, that's just such a drag. Um, 
but you know it is what it is uh you go to um three the 330 slate we're looking at georgia a 24 and a half point favorite against uab uab is not bad they're not bad i know georgia's missing a few guys from um due to covid uh those guys are undisclosed from kirby smart but they are missing a few guys it's going through the team that's something to keep in mind i i I think UAB covers this 24 and a half point line. I, I think I think if you give them, you know, I, I could see this being a one position half, um, and then you know Georgia maybe pulling away going in the second half, a 28 to 10 type deal. A um, and M at Colorado. Well, the game's playing at, being played in Denver, um, but it, you know it's it's basically at Colorado. It's not being played on their campus. I'm sure A and M will have a good turnout um, crowd wise there, uh, giving 17. I probably like the game right around that line, um, you know, 34-17, 27-10, a similar game to the Georgia-UAB game. Um, moving down to Penn State, Ball State, Penn State's this, this line has moved from 19 up to 22.5. I think we have some more believers in Penn State. Um, I think, again, that these are these are games I would not be picking. I would not pick. Actually, the one game I would probably pick, I think I like UAB plus 24.5. Um I don't like picking this Penn State Ball State game. I, I think the line is going is it's pretty solid. Um, I think it's going to be right in the twenty to twenty two range. Um, I think we're going to see a thirty eight seventeen type deal again. A game that's probably closer in the first half than people would think, and then Penn State probably pulls away as we go on. The game of the day um, is Iowa Iowa State. A lot of media coverage on this one. A lot of hype for this one. Iowa State is a minus four and a half point favorite. At Iowa State in Ames, Iowa put a beat down on Indiana last week and did so on the defensive end. Iowa State did not put a deep a beat down on their friends from Northern Iowa, and that seems to be a theme. I, I, I don't know. Um, much like North Carolina, I just don't know how good Iowa State can actually be. Um, you know, that with the talent differential, but Iowa is right there with them. Um, they're they're both they're very similar teams. This one to me is is a uh, is a pick'em. I think Iowa State has a little more um, you know juice and and when it comes to you know athleticism across the field, um, I'll, I'll give the nod to Iowa State winning by a field goal. Uh, moving on to Texas and Arkansas, um, Texas about a touchdown favorite. Uh, this line has moved between six and a half and seven um, at Arkansas. This is this is really cool. This is going to be a, an old fashioned throwback to the Southwest Conference conference and um you know obviously a lot of bad blood historically between these two teams texas moving into the sec in a few years that'll be a good game to watch at 7 p.m at razorback stadium in fayetteville um and then finally i mean we get to we get to some you know later pac-12 games um you know the game that should be a good game um you know but some luster was taken out of it with with washington losing to to Montana is Michigan uh, home primetime game ABC against Washington. Um, I, I I think my mind has changed a little bit on that. I, I like Michigan. Uh, they they should they should do well in that game. I don't think Washington is that great. They haven't been the same since Chris Peterson left. Um, I, I would have to take take uh, take Michigan there. And the line on that one um, is. Minus one, almost a pick them. Oh, it, I'm sorry, it opened at minus one. It's now it's now about seven points, uh, six and a half, seven points for Michigan, um, which I think is is pretty fair. Um, 
So, yeah, my, my pick of the week, if I had to give one, is probably UAB getting 24.5 at Georgia. Um, we don't know what's going on with Georgia with, with relation to COVID. I don't know how explosive their offense is. UAB is good. UAB is good. They're not SEC good, but they are a solid 9-3, and 10-2 and two team. They're a good team for the Sun Belt. Um, and so I, I, like, I like UAB covering there. So um, it was good to run this podcast back. Um, we'll see if we keep this going and what the reception is. We'll see if we can get a co-host back. We'll see if we can get Colin back. We'll see if, if we can get the, um, you know, the people to get on board with that. Um, as for as for Zach Dow, unfortunately, he is in Switzerland. Um, God rest his soul out there. Um, but you know, hopefully, he'll come back. I, that 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 man can only stay away from college football for too long. So I, I have a, my my other prediction is at some point Zach Dow will be coming back. Um, to the states because he can't stay away from college football um and so you know i don't know what life decisions he's gonna have to make to have that but i can't see him staying out there for too much longer and so maybe if he comes back we'll get him on the pod um can't have him on the pod over the phone he's like 12 hours ahead of us so we can't be doing something like that so all right um thanks for tuning in again remember uab plus 24 and a half this week they're playing georgia 330 all right thanks for tuning in take care